You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, company culture coach and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create progressive company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations, thought leaders, and change makers about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. This season is sponsored by Semco Style UK. The Semco Style framework is a practical approach which helps organizations create a human-centered workplace and brings a proven method to enable you to shape how people experience work. Whether you're looking to transform your business for success, become more resilient to the challenges of an ever-changing world, or create a culture that delivers more engaged people, the Semco Style methodology can help you on your way. Are you ready to discover the tools to transform your organization? Visit semcostyle.co.uk. Hi everyone and welcome back to Make It Thrive. Today I'm joined by Samantha Clark, a happiness consultant, global change maker, TEDx speaker and author of Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. I followed Samantha's work for a long time now and I knew that she would be the perfect guest to stimulate our thinking in season 10. What I admire about Samantha is her courage and curiosity to dive into areas of work that are yet to be brought to the mainstream. Samantha really makes me think differently about our experience of work and so I know our conversation today will offer both inspiration and action. So let's get started. Hi Samantha and welcome to the Make It Thrive podcast. Hello Lizzie, thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute honour of mine to have you on the podcast because I remember coming across your work many moons ago um, at a Guardian Masterclass. I was there for a full day event and you were one of the speakers and I was so inspired. So I've been following your work for a while um, and it's been fantastic to um, get you on the podcast. You've been in a a list of my absolute must-haves on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad. Was it one of those um, leadership days or... It must have been a friendly session. I can't remember. It feels like so long ago, you know, because of COVID and everything, (laughs) everything feels slightly extended. So even if something was like two years ago, it feels like four years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of um, you as a happiness consultant, Mm. do you want to share your journey with how you came to this place? Yeah, so I guess I've had quite an eclectic work journey. Um, I kind of started out in the kind of heady world of advertising and branding and really feeling a little bit of uh, dis-ease in an account management position. I just felt like a weird go-between between the client and wanting to be a lot more strategic. I love the consumer behavior side, but also just wanting to delve a little bit further. And I think I wasn't feeling nourished by some of the brands I was working with. And that led me to kind of think, okay, well, how do I make the most of my evenings? What else am I doing? I loved, always loved footwear. Uh, I'm quite tall and slim and I just felt like shoes were always the easiest thing to find. Um, And so I began to kind of fascinate about building my own footwear label. 
and I would kind of do some drawings and then I signed up to classes at London College of Fashion and Prescott and McKay and started to learn shoe production and really got engrossed in it to you know start building out my own line and I had this idea for a kind of semi-bespoke footwear and I loved it I was just loving every minute you know sourcing leather doing the designs and pitching for funding and really starting to build this thing out and so the day job was just there to kind of fuel the spend for the shoes um unfortunately we hit recession and I was kind of a little bit um, knocked sideways in terms of shoes are quite money intensive and my backers were like actually let's just hit pause for a bit and so I found myself at a crossroads loving all things style and color and fashion but equally just um, a bit trapped and I was in kind of trends and branding and just loving it but not fully loving it Anyway, a friend of mine said, you know, I've got this friend and I think, you know, they really need some support with looking for a new outfit for a job interview. Um, But also, I think they're just feeling a little bit directionless and you're also in that zone as well. So maybe, but you're a great listener and I know that you'll be able to, to offer some gems. Anyway, we got talking and I offered them some advice and they ended up pivoting in a brand new direction and looking cute while they did it. So I was like, oh, this sounds really great. I love this. I'm like literally just offering pearls of wisdom and talking to people. I just, I just really enjoyed getting under the skin of how people show up and why we stand in our own way. So that led me down to study kind of um, coaching um, one-to-one coaching, executive coaching, and also group coaching. And those individuals that I had started to do like one-to-one, what I called style therapy back in those days, um, they invited me into their companies. Um, they, you know, word of mouth spread and I started to get a nice batch of clients that I was working with. And through that, I ended up at a tech company And I was looking for a way to build out a portfolio career at this time. And I started with a tech company called Daddy. And initially, I was just there to support with like marketing and maybe organizing events. And for me, it was great. It was like a bit of a filler position to start with because I was lecturing at the School of Life and doing this kind of coaching consultancy thing. Um, but I started to know, uh, see problems in their business. And I was like, there's, there's, there's a lot that's going down here that needs work. And I, I wrote, I, I remember one night we all went out for Japanese supper club and I said to them, look, I want to pitch you an idea to support your team better because I can see you've got some issues and things are only going to get worse as you get bigger. And I spent, you know, an evening going home, mapping out my skills, thinking about what I could bring. And I pitched for them the idea to be their head of happiness. and um, they went for it. They were like, let's trial it for three months. And I ended up doing that for two years, rolling out like an internal happiness program, really shaping the culture. And they were entirely remote back then. And I just loved this work. I was just, I was in this perfect storm of doing that, still lecturing at the School of Life. So really getting under the skin of great ideas for, to, to help people find themselves in new ways and also consulting and then after I left Daddy, I just branched out on my own as a happiness consultant, consulting on happiness at work, helping people think about career change, transitions, but also what happens internally in companies. And I've just been doing that ever since. And it's evolved. There's been a bit more focus, I guess, on self-leadership, on you know supporting um, teams to think differently, 
but also with my book, Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work, that's very much around giving people that agency to think about their careers differently. And that's what I've always done. And so I wanted to help people channel that and find their career potential. So yeah, that's kind of where I've ended up today. I love that story, Samantha. And I didn't realise there was that part about the shoes as well, because I'm a fellow shoe connoisseur. <laughs> so I was like, oh, <laughs> even better. Um, but I love the way that, you know, you've been able to bring all of your skills into what you do now. And it's mm. such, you know, that where when you took that time to go, oh, hang on a minute, you know, I can see some gaps here and I can see how what 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 the skills and experiences that I have really fit into this. And I feel like that is such a holistic way of being around our careers that we need to kind of bring forward so much more of. Yes, totally. I think, you know, gone are the days where we can kind of just coast and drift through our career. And, you know, we are feeling the the I guess the pangs of wanting to be self-actualized a lot more now uh, whether that's been brought on through social media or more and more conversations and it's just no longer okay to sit in work that feels too small for you like a really you know tight coat um, <laughs> it's just going to ripple out into other areas of your life so I really want people to just take it slowly I don't advocate you know massive work revolutions it's like slow iterations um, to design a better way of being, a better way of feeling, because we spend a lot of time at work and the younger generation now are really starting to notice that work should be something that they enjoy. They want to give their all, but they also want to have a life too. Yeah. And so the more that we start to iterate and learn about ourselves and know how we want to lead ourselves, we can find work that really fits in and become, you know, who our spirits are. I believe that we're all sent here for a purpose and a reason. And if we're not fulfilling that, we're kind of not doing our uh, our mission correctly absolutely yeah I couldn't agree more it's kind of that that sense of emptiness when you're just playing one small role and it can feel incredibly um like you're not you know really living your full potential you know we all have so much potential to to give um and to to create and yet we're kind of a lot of the time playing so small I definitely agree that in terms of what you said about you know being able to just take something small and maybe try and play with it. I think that's so important because when people maybe are in a a job or in a career where they're, they're not enjoying it and they kind of, you know, social media is really good at making everything look like you have to be really radical these days. Mm. (laughs) And like, you know, you have to do all these radical things to do something you enjoy. But like you say, if you just take a small thing and just try and play with that in, yes. in what you're doing, that's a great kind of like mini experiment you can start doing. I totally agree with you. I think that, I think that's the lost art of play. You know, I think you really um, touched on it there is that we need to in- make an invitation to play every day. It's easy when we're young because everything feels fun and free and there's not so many responsibilities. And the reality is that as we grow up, you know, there's the mortgage, there's the kids, there's um, maybe we don't have kids, but we have aging parents, like lots of different things start to to shape the reasons why we don't do things. But if we can invite a little bit of play um, day to day and just think, what could I do differently? How could I look at my career through a different lens? What am I missing here? What are the things that really do light me up that I've keep been suppressing in a box and actually if I just allowed it to become maybe a little hobby that I did after work or something like that we could 
we could start to edge closer towards what we what we're really aligned to do um yeah yeah absolutely it resonates so much with me because I feel like that's almost what I kind of did with my career so I was in in marketing before I was in sort of company culture and very much what I was doing as when I became a manager I started um bringing a lot of the kind of coaching tools that I was learning Mm. in my kind of self-development journey into work Mm. because I'm a bit of a personal development junkie so everything that I was kind of learning in the evening all the courses I was going to I was like oh I might try this with my team and see how that fits with them because I was really enjoying this this area of work and then I was bringing that in and and so actually I kind of the team I was managing I was bringing those those new skills I was learning into the into the company and I was like oh actually I'm really enjoying this kind of work yeah so it's interesting I think you know, just taking those bits that you really bring you some joy and, and playing with it, I feel like is a great action for people to take after this after this podcast, which is always nice. Yeah, definitely. I think in my book, I really get people to think about where they can start taking action. So is it that actually the work that you're doing feels um, like it's not aligned because maybe you're not working with the right type of people or maybe there's other people that you'd like to partner with or maybe there's certain aspects of your role that you want to hack and play a bigger game in or maybe it's actually you've just grown bored of the industry you know all of these different moving parts allow you uh, an element of play or discovery and just take time to peel away at those layers yeah yeah I love that so you, you briefly mentioned earlier Samantha about self-leadership mm. and this is a topic that you talk a lot about would you be able to explain a bit more what that is and why it's so important Yeah, I think self-leadership is, uh, I think it's the main anchor for for which we are using to steer our decisions and and how we show up in the world. And I think there are kind of four different dimensions um, to leadership that I try to instill with my clients and try to instill within myself, you know, because I always experiment on myself and see how that's going to work and learn and and really start to see where my clients might be lacking in their own self-leadership and so I think self-leadership it's really important to one start to understand how you set goals how you think about your own version of work well-being your performance goals are you setting those with kind of intention purpose and meaning and when we look at self-leadership it is about moving in a direction that feels right noticing some of those negative scripts that come up for you notice where you keep falling into deep cycles when we can have that conscious awareness of the destructive thought patterns we can start to move towards um, ways in which we'll show up and feel better but if we're not aware of our thought patterns our foibles some of that negative critic it's of course not going to be easy for us to set great goals it's not going to be easy for us to move with that intention. I also think that it's really important to look at your energy and your performance throughout the working day, throughout the working week. What are the ways that you feel effective? What really starts to eat away at your motivation? And how do you harness your attention throughout the day so that you're making critical decisions, you're being effective, and you know how to refuel and restore yourself because that recalibration process is going to be able to fuel your creativity, your ability to um, lead a team, your ability to spot solutions to problems. If we're not looking after our energy and our performance, um, you know, all of that falters. 
I think the third thing that's really important when we think about self-leadership is noticing where you fall into or where imposter syndrome creeps up. And this is about aligning your confidence, knowing how to skyrocket your confidence and being that cheerleader for yourself, knowing how to make competent decisions, knowing when to push yourself and knowing actually where there might be a bit of a skills misalignment that's eating away at your confidence. So I think knowing how to skyrocket your confidence and your strengths is really powerful as a self-leader. Um, because if you can't do it, there's no way your team are going to be looking to you to to gain that awareness piece around how they can lean into their strengths as well. And how you can also communicate to be heard. You know, I think uh, something a coach said to me a long time ago is that we train people in how we want to be treated. So knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing how you can confidently speak about yourself is so powerful um, mm. for you to be that, you know, force of nature. And I think the last thing when it comes to self-leadership is just learning how you create safety and connection, thinking about your relationships, your support systems. What do you need to continuously cultivate for success? Mm. Within that as well, it's like, how do you then align the other things, you know, the things that eat away at your ability to build great relationships maybe it's your alignment with tech the way that you work your ability to keep commitments um really managing your boundaries I think is so powerful as a leader and knowing when to say no so feeling free to to drop commitments that don't work but being able to say no with kindness so I think all of these different spectrums this is what I try to support leaders with when I take them through my be happy first program is to really look at how am I faring across each of these different pillars? What's not, um, wh where am I not strong enough to kind of set direction with intention? Where do I let my negative patterns run away with me? What might be eating away at my confidence? And maybe actually if my support system isn't strong enough, this is where I need to kind of lean into people a bit more as well and notice why I don't do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much wealth of information there, Samantha. Mm. Thank you so much. One thing I want to tap on, tap into there is <clears> that <throat> piece around confidence, mm. because what I hear a lot from a lot of people that are maybe struggle with their confidence is this idea that they have to kind of fake it. So they have to put on kind of this persona or they have to personify um, a style of leadership rather than kind of really drawing into that authentic confidence yeah. that's inside us. How do you feel like we can differentiate between that or, or begin to kind of go down that more authentic confidence than trying to kind of fake it till we make it almost yeah. way of being? I think it's really powerful to sit and think about how you can define confidence for yourself because everyone will have their interpretation of confidence. For some people, the fake it till you make it really does work and that allows them to, you know, Amy Cuddy always talks about your presence and your um, the way your stance and how that can make you feel empowered and the more that you lean into a certain type of posture you begin to become it and I do believe that there is some sentiment around you know really looking at aspirationally who do you want to step into who do you want to become and monitoring your day-to-day -day activities to move towards that I think what might be useful before that is to really look at the ways that you can build self-efficacy. And Albert Bandura is a psychologist who studied, you know, self-efficacy and how that relates to our confidence and our ability to do things. And he says, you know, we've got to really take stock of when, where are the things that you 
um, you put your magic on that really do come alive? What do people thank you for? What are some of the ways in which you have succeeded? You know, keep your achievement diary. I always suggest to write down a little achievement diary. What's gone well this week? Where have I succeeded? What have I done that I've pushed myself out of my confidence, uh, out of my confident, out of my comfort zone? And the more that you can start to see it in black and white, the more that you can start to appreciate, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm really good at being able to critically um, assess a situation and, and not be emotional about it. Or I'm really good at um, problem solving under stress. Or actually, I'm the person that people come to when they want honest critique. Or, you know, you start to tease out these little nuanced um, arenas and situations that empower you and where you've empowered other people. And the more that you can take time to do that, you then can look at, okay, who are some of the people that I admire that are doing that? How are they stretching themselves? Who are they surrounding themselves with? What books are they reading? What are the things that they are using to go up this, this continuous ladder of self-improvement and building their competence in that area? And what can I do to start using or utilizing some of that in my day-to-day -day life? And I think the more that we can have this honest audit of ourselves, start to look at what's happening around us and start to evolve in that way, we can then boost our confidence. And I think it's also about the people you surround yourself with. You know, if you are the sum of the people that you spend the most time with, how are they supporting your confidence? Are they speaking words of affirmation in your presence? Are they, you know, noticing where you're doing well or are they actually diminishing that and adding to your negative critic? So all of this can help you start to find your authentic voice. It does take time. This isn't something that is, um, <clears throat> this isn't something that's going to be, you know, an overnight thing, but it's about just being very considerate in your steps and, and noticing that confidence is a muscle that needs to be exercised. You have to take it to the gym daily. But the more you know yourself, the more you can get into that groove and end up being more and more of your authentic self. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they are some fantastic practices, Samantha. So actionable. And I love that, you know, someone always said to me, like, celebrate your wins. Like, you have to mm. celebrate your wins as well. You know, those small moments of success that, you know, they're perhaps not huge things, you know, like, um, you know, big big goals but actually those small moments that actually really mean something to you making sure you're taking like say taking stock of those mm. and it's not something that we do very often because we're so self-critical we're yeah. always thinking that wasn't good enough or you know we've got that kind of voice in our head kind of critiquing critiquing everything that we do yeah. and actually taking that practice into our sort of day-to-day -day habits is fantastic for building up that that confidence and that sense of self-worth as well I think it's really important that we we notice what is eating away at our self-worth you know I think for some of the, the best leaders out there it just takes sometimes they could be knocked down by a feather if somebody has said the wrong word or it's hit them in a tone in a different way and the more that we can take time to understand our triggers we're less likely to be blown from pillar to post so again, this self-leadership piece is about really noticing, okay, where do I flare up? What are some of the, the ways in which people antagonize me? 
Um, and, you know, often when we are in situations with people and we feel aroused in a negative way, there's always something we need to kind of learn or accept or welcome or change in our behavior. Um, everything is a, is a warning sign. And so if you can get into that notion that my relationships are containers for growth, everything around me is an opportunity to learn and take that time to just be present with yourself. I feel like some of those should be affirmations, Samantha, what you said there. <laughs> I'm like, maybe we should all write these down and have these as morning affirmations. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh. So Samantha, what something I really want to kind of um, question you about is, you know, you've you've worked globally with some amazing um, foundations and organizations and tech companies. And, mm. you know, um, there's a there's an impressive lineup of brands that you've worked with. But what I would love to ask you is what still surprises you about the experience we create about work and company culture? What kind of continues to come up for you that you're like, that this still surprises me? Mm. So, I mean, I think there are quite a few things. I think one, oftentimes when I speak to companies and they're trying to decipher or trying to create what their culture is, they either haven't really set the direction for what success looks like or there is um, there's not enough co-creation. So it's too much top down or even then not everybody's on board with what this tone looks like. What is the tone of our culture and how does it really align to our values? And are we doing what we say we're doing? You know, are we creating yes, we're creating a consumer brand and maybe we're building these amazing products and services, but actually our employer brand is uh, very negative. Mm. So I think really starting to align with that and really start to think about what do their values actually mean, Mm. I think is one area that brands could do with um, just taking a bit more time. I think another is I work with companies to really ascertain like for Um, key pillars of employee well-being and and engagement and happiness and they look like head and heart which is really noticing you know how are you helping your employees to to feel psychologically safer at work what are some of the um, issues around that affect their mindset their resilience their ability to self-lead I think communication and connection is another key pillar Um, this is where companies probably aren't getting it right especially if they are hybrid or virtual it's noticing what are some of the blocks and the barriers to great communication what does great communication look like for us especially what does it look like in crisis what does it look like in conflict um how do we start to uh get to the heart of some of those underlying emotions or underlying nuanced ways of speaking to each other that can get the best out of us Mm. I think another area is really noticing where that misalignment might be in a company between mission and what some of the employee values are or some of the the processes and systems that could be adopted differently. And I think digital and mindful is always going to be a huge area for companies to work on. You know, how are we creating a work environment that isn't just a perpetuating more and more stress but inviting opportunities for calm and creating more of those preventative measures versus just being reactive when things have gone too far um i think those are the kind of core areas and i think also just knowing which behaviors do we want to model 
I think sometimes there can be a, a directive and a tone that's set, but actually nobody's modeling that behavior for it to follow through. Mm. So that's often a key area that I think companies could do better in. Yeah, definitely. And I must agree with you on the the setting of the direction because I'm sure you get this as well where, you know, people want to hire you for a particular initiative that they're running and you're kind of like, okay, but how does this play into the larger piece of your kind of direction of the culture and, and where you're actually going? Because too often it's really easy just to kind of popcorn style just have all these crazy initiatives all the time and oh well we did this last year and we're doing this this year and it's kind of like but how does this all feed into the flow of where you're going like yes yes and and sometimes I think as a coach asking them that question helps them kind of take a step back and go oh um they haven't thought about that bigger picture yeah I totally agree I think that sometimes there are all too often uh, a lot of reactive events you know see a pattern let's adapt let's change things let's do it quickly but in the long term that's not really going to have a lot of impact and influence what they need to do is get to this higher level of really reflecting on you know mentally how they're working what are some of the systemic structures that need to be broken for this initiative to actually be embedded and how can we get to a place where being more generative about our vision making um, and the type of impact we want to have 18 months, two years down the line, like what does that really look like? Then they wouldn't be doing a lot of these reactive um, events, a lot of the the ways in which they might be dealing with mental health or, you know, thinking about burnout. It all just seems to be just lots of quick fixes versus a long-term plan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, one thing I really want to pick your brains on, if that's the right term, I never really like that term, but it's the best, the best kind of explanation, shall we say. Now, I've seen recently you're talking a lot more about neuroaesthetics. I'm hoping I'm mm. pronouncing that right. And I, yeah. I'd love for you to explore what led you to this um, topic and how it's impacting the workplace yeah so I guess for me I am a continuous learner um much to my much to I guess my frustration is that I love learning new things and I can feel very restless when I feel pigeonholed into a box and I think for me I really wanted to look at the world of well-being and workplace you know, happiness to another level. I felt like I had been, I've been doing this for quite a while. And I was like, what else can I do to elevate my work? How can I keep my purpose, and my energy excited about the work that I was doing? And if I'm honest, I think I got to, was it 2021, where I felt a little bit burnt out, a little bit just not really um, super passionate about the direction that I was heading in. And I loved it. I could see the transformation happening in people and, you know, in companies, but something was missing internally for me. And so I was like, well, one thing that was missing was I wasn't studying or I wasn't learning anything new. And I started to take some courses in more neuroscience and neuroscience for business. And I did a foundational year in um, uh, psychotherapy and like the educational application of arts. And I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my gosh. I loved um, learning about psychoanalytical and psychotherapeutic therapies that could really support the human condition. And I was like, okay, I could see where we're heading to a massive mental health crisis, not only at work, but also personally. And I just love the infusion of art within that and how 
um, art really does support the brain to open up differently, to work in new ways. And um, I came across this book on clinical neuroscience and art therapy. It's quite an intense book, but I loved it. I just devoured it. And I think for me, there's always been something a little bit missing about the creative elements. I think one thing that I did enjoy about my trend and my branding days and also footwear was that ability to to make things, the ability to creatively connect dots or to, to be surrounded by architecture and art that was enticing and inviting. And um, through my foundational year, we learned different modalities working with you know how do we work through emotions through clay or how do we think about art how do we think about our body and the presence that emotions might stack in our body and I was like oh my gosh I want to do more of this and through reading that book on clinical neuroscience and art therapy I came across this term neuroaesthetics which is around you know really understanding how um, the brain the mind and the body kind of Uh, reacts to art architecture aesthetic experiences and how we could start to use that for change whether that's in environments we create office environments whether that is change in well-being us deeper understanding our senses and the way that um, artistic experiences can transmute different ways of feeling um, innovating creating and also just feeling at peace within our body and so for me I've been going on a learning adventure and I've just um, started my master's at um, Imperial College London and RCA and it's it's a nice blend of art, design, engineering, science um, to really look at areas around work well-being, well-being for self. I'm really interested in the world of chronic pain management as well and how that can be supported through the use of understanding neuroscience and art. So I think that's the the zone that I'm in at the moment. And I'm really enjoying this experience to learn both, like to open up both sides of my brain, the artistic side as well as the scientific side and just kind of create innovations and maybe technolog- technological products that can support this deeper sense of well-being. Oh my gosh, it sounds so incredible. And I, I love that you're like me, where you're constantly like, what can I learn next? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing is, I don't want to learn for learn's sake, but I feel like there's a part of me that is will forever be curious. Yeah. And, you know, when I talked about everyone's here for their mission to some description, I do feel that I'm here to ignite human potential in a different way and that might sound a bit pompous but I do feel that I have there's something around me that is driven to support people to be better and I I want to do that in as many nuanced ways as possible so yes if I can get in via the work angle and talk about coaching and psychology and help people have those interactions in new ways great but if I can also look at it from an environmental perspective from uh, the the tone and the lighting and the sound and you know stimulate senses so that we can be better then why not yeah oh my gosh absolutely and 
I think I, I relate so much to that is that, you know, you, you see so much potential in people. I, I certainly see it in my friends who are maybe you know, playing it small or they, they're kind of at that moment in their life. They're like, I really want to change careers, but they've got all these fears. And I'm like, I so wish you saw yourself in my eyes, because in my mm. eyes, like you like are a magnificent human being with all of these amazing skills. And you're so talented and creative. And, and they're like, yeah, but I don't like, you know, it's it, I, I, you just want to kind of really release them from that shell of just yeah. like that they've put themselves in and so I, and I totally relate to that sense of curiosity I always um really enjoy the talk by Elizabeth Gilbert about I think it's jackhammers and hummingbirds where she says mm. some people are just like jackhammers they find something and they do 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 that thing their whole life and they love it but some people are hummingbirds so I always say that I'm a hummingbird because I I get curious about something and then I kind of want to follow the trail to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I always feel like it's sort of kind of like flitting to something and it's like, oh, this is, this is intriguing me and I want to know more and my curiosity has been piqued. And so yes. I love the idea of being a hummingbird in my life. I, I've come to the conclusion that I'm never going to be a jackhammer that sticks to one thing. That excites no. me because I'm like, gosh, what am I going to be doing in my like, 50s or 60s? This gets me excited. <laughs> oh, my gosh, totally. <laughs> I, I was definitely in that space of because I remember finishing my foundational year in psychotherapy. And the original plan was that I would go on and train to become an art psychotherapist. And I thought, do you know what? <clears throat> that is something I could easily do in my 60s. But I just feel like now there's something else I want to push and there's something else that, that is in me to create. And I, I just have to try this particular route that I'm on right now and, and see where that takes me. And I think we all have to give ourselves permission to try new things. Um, this might be a bit woohoo, but I definitely discovered um, human design. As a manifesting <laughs> generator, I am here to do many things. Um, and I am, I shouldn't feel bad for wanting to be that hummingbird. And it's funny, hummingbirds are like my favorite animals. Um, they are, you know, totally me. And I think that that ability to give myself permission to try and to see and to follow my nose and to, to adapt and be agile is what's going to help me fulfill my, my longer term mission. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, this has just been such a gorgeous conversation with you, Samantha. Thank you so much. Um, you. Where can people find you? Obviously, um, your website, I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes below. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before we kind of wrap up? Yeah, um, you can definitely find me on samanthaand.co. Uh, that is my website. You'll be able to kind of see all of my current speaking gigs, but also grab a copy of my book, Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. Even if you're thinking about a career change or there might be someone in your team that you're like, gosh, I think this could really help them to, to lean into work a little bit more. Um, or it might be a friend. It's a great book, very practical, full of really timely nuggets that I think can help people make those changes and actually stick at those changes so that they're sustainable. And I think the last thing that I would just encourage to do people to do is to really integrate new ways of being with yourself. You know, understand what you can do to tweak your energy impact, your thinking, your emotions and your like your resilience even um, and start to step into this way of being through auditing yourself, through taking that time to just 
know what nourishes you, know what depletes you and keep moving in the nourishing direction. And if you are curious about learning a bit more about that, my Be Happy First course is also available on my website as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Samantha. It's been an absolute joy chatting with you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. Great questions. You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.